speak a word to you that's a little bit different. I hadn't planned to really um, bring this word to you, but just in the week, I felt the Holy Spirit make some changes in the direction in which I was going to I was going to minister this morning, and the title of the message that I'm going to speak to you this morning, I'm calling Stepping Out of Stuck. And there's a really simple thought behind the title of this message this morning, because all of us at some point in life have been stuck. You could have been stuck in traffic, on your way home from work on a busy road. You could have been stuck in an airport waiting for a plane, trying to get on that holiday that you want to so desperately get to. You could have been stuck on the end of a phone in an endless queue trying to get through to customer care. I mean, how many times has that happened to us? Listening to music that, I tell you what, is boring you. And causing you to complain. Stuck is something that we've all experienced, right? Every single one of us have been stuck at some point in our lives. All of us have experienced the frustration of it. All of us have experienced the limitations that it brings. I remember two Moments in my life when I was stuck vividly, when I was younger. And I was stuck in circumstances that were beyond my control. The first time was when I got stuck down the toilet. My mom, who's at the back, remembers this very well. And she would probably be able to tell the story a lot better than I can. I got stuck down the toilet because... In my little mind, I thought that the toilet wasn't something just to sit on. I thought the toilet was an exciting tunnel to have a little look and explore down. So, on this particular day, we were living in Wolverhampton. And on this particular day, I thought, I'm going to go tunneling down that toilet. I'm fed up of sitting on it. I'm going down it. So, with both feet in, I tried to get down it. But I got stuck in the S-bend. I couldn't couldn't go any further. So, I tried to get out. I tried to move one foot and then the other foot. Then, I realized that I was stuck. Stuck in a circumstance that was bigger than me that I had no control over. Mommy! Please come and help me! I cried for maybe five or ten minutes. And then when my mum heard me, she came running up the stairs. Now, thank God. I'm sure it was a temptation. She may have wanted to flush me down it. <laughs> it was a temptation, mum, wasn't it? Because I, was I was a little rip, even back then. Very inquisitive little boy. But she didn't. You know, if she, I, I've often thought, if she had flushed the chain, I could be living in Australia now. <laughs> you never know. 
I mean, where does that tunnel end? Who knows? But she didn't flush the chain. Round of applause for mum, please. That's what a good parent is. She didn't flush the chain, and here I am today. That was the first experience that I had with getting stuck, needing help and rescue. Then there was another occasion when I got stuck. I was a little bit older in junior school, and um, I was with my friends. And every single day, we used to go down to a building site. We didn't call it a building site. We called it our adventure playground. We used to run up on the scaffoldings, across the roofs, jump off the roofs into big builder's sand on the, on the floor, and then we'd get chased off by the foreman. It was exciting. Whilst everybody else were at home watching TV, we'd be down there in the adventure playground on the building site having some fun. Well, behind the building site, there was a field, and it had a swamp in it. And when we got bored with the building site, we'd go to the field by the swamp. And the game that we would play would be that we would see how far we could get out into the swamp before sinking. And the object of the game was to get from one part of the swamp to the other part, the other side of it. Because we thought we were adventuring in the jungle. We weren't in the jungle. We were in the middle of Yorkshire. But in our little minds, we were in the jungle. I always remember, be about three or four of us, we'd step out into the swamp, and then slowly, three or four steps in, you'd feel your feet sinking down in the bog, and then you'd run back in fear. Well, this one day, on the way down to the swamp, I said to the boys, I'm going all the way today. See, I was a leader back then leader. I'm going all the way today, boys. And they looked at me. Really? They used to call me Eddie. My surname is Edwards. Eddie, you're not going all... I'm going all the way. I don't care. I'm going all the way. So they went, followed me down. We got to the edge of the swamp. And in my mind, I thought, I'm going. I know I can do it. I know I can do this. So I took one big stride with strength and then another, three or four, five in, and then suddenly I was up to my knees in it. I couldn't move. And then I gave, I gave a, a little riddle, tried to step forward, tried to step back. Suddenly I was up to my waist in it. And then I started to panic. I thought, my God, I'm going to go up to my neck in it now. And the boys could see me panicking. They were on the floor laughing laughing and ridiculing me. We knew you couldn't do it, Eddie. We knew you'd never get to the other side of the swamp. The trouble was, I knew that now, but I couldn't get out of the predicament that I was in. I started to panic. They started to laugh. And then my friend Stephen, he went back to the building site, got an old bit of rope, threw it to me. And all of them, not just one of them, but all of them started to pull me out. I mean, I was a mess. And it was great entertainment for them. But when I got home, it wasn't a great entertainment for my mum. Where have you been? Down the swamp, mum. Take those clothes off. And then she made me my tea. 
like a good, caring mum. But those two occasions, when I was stuck in circumstances that were bigger than my ability to control, are vivid memories in my mind. Now, when I think back on them, it causes me, you know, to laugh about it. But as you go down through life, um, you, you, you experience life. You begin to understand that we not only get stuck in situations like that in a, in a playful way, but sometimes there's situations in life that we face that are just like that swamp that I got stuck in on that day that I went down to the building site and decided to try and get to the other side. Sometimes there's issues and situations that we all face in our lives that are circumstantial, that are swamp-like, that are bigger than our ability to control, that we get stuck in. And it's in those times that we struggle to move beyond them. It's in those times that it's like our lives are frozen in time and everything stops around us because we're stuck, unable to move, unable to go forward. We can face mental swamps of fear and insecurity. Swamps of anxiety, depression, and worry. We can get stuck in relational issues, conflicts that seem beyond our control and beyond our means of changing. Sometimes we can get stuck when we think about ourselves, our own lives. Remember many years ago, sitting on the edge of my bed, saying over and over again, and I've said this on numerous occasions, saying over and over again within myself, I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. I said it. I couldn't help it. And I meant it. I was stuck stuck. Not now down the toilet, not now in the swamp, but stuck with who I was, with who I'd become, with my emotions, with my, my feelings, with the anxieties and the worries and the cares of life. Stuck, unable to move forward, unable to have any hope or expectation for life or living in great need. I cried out to God, on that night, I said, oh God, I'm really sorry for what I've said because I know that you've given me the gift of life. I know I shouldn't be saying I hate my life, but I really do. I hate the conditions of it. I hate the fact that I can't move forward from what I'm in. I had a good home. I had a good job. I had lots of good things. Inside, stuck. The Bible was by my side on the bed. And I thought, now I don't advise this, but I just really needed some help quickly. 
I opened the Bible. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go like this. Right? I'm, I'm going to do it. Right? I don't advise it. And the Bible doesn't direct us to do that. We have the teacher and the helper of the Holy Spirit. But I, I just needed, I needed help that night, right? I opened the Bible. I went. And do you know what my eyes fell on? Now remember, I've been saying over and over and over again, I hate my life. It was a simple refrain. I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. My finger landed on the verse where Jesus said these words. Blessed is the man who hates his life. For in hating his life, he will find my new life. What was that? It was another lifeline. Just like Stephen had thrown all those years ago when I was stuck physically in a swamp and I couldn't get out. But now this was another lifeline from the Savior himself stepping into what I was stuck in. Saying, come on, come on. It's okay to hate your life. I understand why you hate it. It's actually a good place to be, to recognize it, because now I'm coming with my new life. And that night, that, that voice of hope that came into that dark place gave me new life. Not everything changed at once. There were things that I had to change. Ongoing battles that I had to face. Life still had lots of challenges. But from that moment on, I knew that he was helping me to step out of what I was stuck in. He's a good God. This word today to you could be a word that reaches in to issues that you're facing that you don't have any answers for that are bigger and beyond you. The needs right across this hall are many and varied. But I tell you now, there's one who is in the midst that can answer every need. Hallelujah. That can meet every call. Now, stuck is something that we, we all experience. But it's in moments like this, that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, comes to help us and comes to deliver us. In fact, when you read your Bible, you see people who are stuck in life situations. Many, many people. In fact, it's full of occasions where people were stuck in life, where the challenges that they faced were beyond anything that they could do in their own strength, beyond anything they could do in their own ability. Yet time and time again, what we see is God's mercy, God's love, God's intervention as he steps into what people were stuck in, to set them free, to bring them out, and for all, all things to become new again. In Mark chapter 5, it's an incredible chapter because we see several people who were well and truly stuck. 
stuck in life situations and circumstances that were far bigger than them. Stuck hopelessly as their lives began to spin out of control. There's people in this chapter who were stuck mentally, emotionally, socially, and relationally. Life for all of them in different ways was at a standstill, filled with fear and pain and shame. As you read through this chapter, Mark chapter 5, firstly you see the disciples going through a a storm. And not just any storm, a storm that threatened their very lives, that was breaking apart their boat. A dark night, a night of uncertainty, a night where they were panicking. And then, after that, we're introduced to a man that was filled with demons, living like a wild animal in a graveyard, alone among the dead. This man was stripped of all dignity, stripped of all future hope. And then after that, we come across a distraught father. Now, this is all in one chapter. We come across a distraught father struck by sudden crisis as his daughter falls ill and is at the point of death. And then she dies. And then finally, we see a woman with an incurable issue of blood. This woman had suffered for 12 years. And in that time, she had grew worse every single day, bleeding to death. On one side, Mark 5 brings us up close to the sad conditions of people's lives the sad conditions that they were stuck in, the circumstances that were pressing, that were far beyond their control. But it doesn't leave us there. Because in this chapter, we see Jesus stepping in to bring peace, salvation, life, and wholeness. He's more than able to handle any life situation that might face you. He is more than able to handle any circumstance, any issue that we will ever face in life. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. And it's His love, it's His care, it's, it's It's His protection and provision for our lives that comes to our aid whenever we are stuck with circumstances that seem far bigger than our ability to contend with. Jesus, in this chapter, steps into the storm and says, Peace be still. Jesus steps out in front of that deranged demoniac man as he comes running to him and sets him free in a moment of all of his derangement 
and all of the mental torment that he had gone through. He steps into the swamp-like conditions that we face. He brings peace. He brings order. He brings control. He brings life in all of its fullness, he says, in all of its abundance. He's wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. He walked into that little girl's bedroom. On one occasion, another occasion, where a little girl had died and rose her from the dead. And that man that so desperately needed strength from him that day, he said, go. She'll be well by the time you get home. And from the very moment that he said, she'll be well, that little girl revived and was well again. The moments that we have this morning together, we're just going to look at this woman that had the issue of blood. Mark tells us that she'd been suffering with this issue for 12 long years. That's a long time. That's a long time to battle with a life issue. That's a long time for your life to go on hold. That's a long time to get stuck in circumstances that are far bigger than your ability to contend with. And this woman, from what we read, tried everything in her own strength to overcome that power that was eroding her health. She did everything within her means. The Bible says she grew worse. After all of her attempts to bring a cure to the, the sickness and the ailment that she faced, she grew worse. Let me read it to you. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 26. It says this. Now a certain woman had a, a flow or an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. You know, when we face issues in life, when we come face to face with circumstances and problems that we can't contend with, that are bigger than our ability to control, people will often say, give it time, it'll get better. Give it time. It'll work itself out. But that's not always the case. It wasn't the case for this woman. Time actually caused her to grow worse. Now, time doesn't change anything. I'll tell you the only person that can change anything, his name is Jesus. And I know every single one of us believe that. The only person that can make a difference, the only person that can bring effective change in our life and transformation is Jesus Christ. And when you call on Him, when you call on Him in need, I want to encourage you this morning, when you call on Him in need, your, your prayer, your cry 
does not reach deaf ears. You do not go into a queue. Or God's voicemail. No, it's one-on-one -on -one care, one-on-one -on -one attention because he's getting ready to intervene in his time. Time didn't make anything better for this woman. She grew worse. Everything around her, not only within her, not only within her did she grow worse, worse but everything around her in life grew worse because of this continual discharge of blood from her body, the religious laws of her day labeled her as unclean. She was rejected by religion. And that meant that she was unable to leave the confines of her home. If she did, she walked down the street, she would have to cry out like a leper, unclean, unclean. So nobody would come near her. Because if they came near her and touched her, they would also be contaminated and considered unclean just like her. So this woman was completely cut off from society. This woman that had this issue of blood that had a need that needed to be attended for for 12 years was left alone, banished as an outsider considered unclean, and even cursed like a leper. Everybody's view of her was negative. She was in need, and yet she was alone. Also from what we read in Mark chapter 5, we see that this lady was medically untreatable. The Bible shows us the reality of her situation. You see, the Word of God never hides sometimes the, the horrid facts of life. It never hides it. It lays it bare. It's like life is just naked. And the conditions sometimes that we go through and the circumstances that we face, we find great comfort in the Word of God. Because it's there that we find an honest voice. It's there that we find true reality about the facts of life. It's not glossy. It's not picture perfect. It's not this idyllic experience. No. We live in a sinful world and sometimes we face the horrid effects of that sin trying to break our lives down. But. Whilst it shows us sometimes the horrid facts of life, it never hides the fact that Jesus Christ will step into the darkness. Jesus Christ will step into the crisis. Jesus Christ will come to our aid and deliver us, strengthen us, bring us health, newness of mind. My God, the times that he's come to me and set me free from fear, set me free from worry, set me free from many kinds of mental struggles that I've had through my life, I forgot. I couldn't tell you how many times, but I'm telling you now, one thing I can tell you, he's my deliverer. He's my strong tower. He is my refuge and strength. I can tell you that. Why? 
Because in my weakness and in my, in, in, sometimes in, in just the, the sheer hopelessness of life's experience, he comes and he shows himself strong. Bible says in Isaiah, the arm of the Lord is never too short that it cannot save you. It can reach us, help us, and deliver us. This lady was medically untreatable. She'd suffered at the hands of many physicians. And in, in the Greek language, the picture is that the picture is of many different physicians just kind of willy-nilly experimenting on her. Well, maybe this will work, or try that, or have you heard the, 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 the latest treatment down the road? They, they may have the answer. Go there. And she tried everything, and everybody ex- experimented on her. She was like a guinea pig for their medical remedies. But she grew worse. And added to that, Bible says, She spent all she had because none of these experiments came without a cost. Everybody was looking out for their needs and not hers. She spent all she had but grew worse. But an amazing moment came. And life is full of amazing moments. Because God loves us so much. He sees us when people don't care. He sees us when we're just cast off, when we're rejected, when we feel alone, when we feel that nobody's on side to help us with the predicaments that we have. He sees. Nobody else might see, but He sees. And an amazing moment came for this lady's life when she heard about Jesus. Oh, it's wonderful. It's just a simple story in the Word of God. It's just a simple occasion that we read of in Mark chapter 5 where it says, but she heard about Jesus, just a simple line, but something changed in this woman's heart when she heard. She heard about Jesus. Then she began to say to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. In the Greek language, that's written in the continual tense. So, she just didn't say it one time. It says, and and some translators actually pick it up and put it in. It says she just kept saying to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I may just but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She just kept saying to herself over and over again. That one line, it it just got inside her. It became an expectation. Her faith latched onto it. She hadn't even seen Jesus. She'd heard about him, but she just kept saying to herself, do you know what? There's something different about this man. Everything's going to change because if I can just just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It's in the continual tense. She just kept saying 
over and over and over again. Day after day, week after week, possibly month after month, she just kept saying to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. For 12 years, physician after physician had failed her. She grew worse. She lost all of her money. She was bankrupt. She had no future. But suddenly when she heard about Jesus, something went off in the, in the heart of this woman that she couldn't let go of and wouldn't let go of her. And she knew that her answer, deliverance and healing was in Jesus Christ. So one day, as Jesus was passing by, out she went. Out she went. She got up again inside. She didn't become bitter. Could easily become bitter after 12 years, couldn't you? Oh, you could easily become cynical. Oh, it's just another magician. It's just another physician. It's just going to extort. Who's going to extort my money and try a hopeless... No, there was something different. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Not after your money. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be free. He wants you to experience the wonderful, glorious life that he has come to give. And out she went. Mark 5, 27 to 31. Let me just read it to you. It says, when she heard about Jesus, that he was coming, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Oh, how unusual it is. You can't put God in a box. You can't put faith in a box. How unusual. This was. She touched his garment, for she said, if only I may but just touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? My God is awesome. It is awesome. This, this, this happens. This happens. God does miracles. He really does. He heals bodies. He delivers us. He brings peace and order in our minds. He's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. That's an old one. He's a wonder. He's a miracle. He's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. He's a wonder. He's a miracle. He's a miracle-working God. I think that one came from America. <laughs> it's got an American twang on it. Do it, Holy Ghost. Work miracles in our body. Do it, Holy Ghost. Work miracles in our circumstances. Do it, Holy Ghost. For your people, in Jesus' name, let your faith be aroused. Romans 8, 32. 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give you all things? What do you need? Do you need healing? Take it in Jesus' name. Freely give you all things. Do you need finances? Ask him. Need a job? What do you need? How will he not with him freely give you all things? All things. What is the thing that you need? She touched his garment suddenly, in an instant, that 12-year cycle of pain, poverty, shame, and isolation was over, gone. Jesus looked around. Mark 5, verse 32 to 34 says, Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing But the woman, fearing and trembling, know what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was afraid. She'd received a miracle from God that had changed her life, that had caused her to step out of that swamp-like existence that she had been stuck in. God had released her. God had set her free. And now she's afraid. Because suddenly she knows that she's free. But Jesus doesn't chide her or rebuke her or bring correction. What does he do? He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The woman had always been labeled as unclean by the Levitical law that condemned her. But Jesus now, in public, calls her daughter for the first time. And that word, daughter, is a word of tenderness, close affection. It's a word of peace, harmony, acceptance, and relationship. This woman that had suffered so much is accepted by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Suddenly she got more than healing that day, more than physical healing. Because she'd been an outcast. Nobody had wanted to be with her. And now she was being received by God into a new relationship with Christ himself. One moment she's an outcast The next moment, she's in the family of God because she placed her faith and her trust. It's a picture of salvation. It really is. It's a picture of what has happened to each and every one of us as we place simple faith in Christ alone. His grace was extended to us, and wholeness came as he granted salvation to us. That word whole that Jesus speaks over her. Your faith has made you whole. That word whole means to be saved. And throughout the New Testament, it means to be rescued from all harm and danger, to be kept safe and sound. She experienced this wholeness of life that nobody around her could have given her But Jesus, she came to him. 
put her faith and her trust in him alone, wholeness was granted. And then to cap everything off, Jesus says these words to her. Go in peace. Woohoo! That was something that she hadn't had for a long time. But something that the Prince of Peace can give. Go in peace. Oh, that's wonderful. You're not going to grow worse anymore. You're not going to lose any more money. You're not going to be an experiment that physicians can play about with any longer. Go in peace. What was that assuring her of? Well, it was assuring her of this. Your wholeness is permanent. Your wholeness is complete. That's our King. That's our Lord, Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray right now. And um, as we close our service today, we're going to open up the front here. We're going we're to lay hands on the sick. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Is it as easy as that? Yeah. You might need recovery in your mind. You might need recovery in your body. You might want to stand in for somebody that is going through a real hard time at the moment. You can see, circumstantially, they are stuck up to their neck in swamp-like conditions. You're going to stand in for them. We're going to pray together for God for Jesus to do what only He can do and bring change in life. And as we prepare for this moment, Nadu is going to sing for us because we started this service this morning with that emphasis of just giving thanks. Giving thanks to God. And what we're going to do in faith right now we're just going to give thanks with a grateful heart. You might not need to come out to be prayed for. That's absolutely fine. Honestly, the Holy Spirit is, gonna, is just going to meet with you where you are. Whatever the need. How will he not with him freely give you all things? That's the reasoning. Everything's been given. So there's nothing that you might need from God that will ever be withheld because God has given everything he can give in Christ Jesus. So he'll meet every need in this place. We're going to sing. You can sing along. And then just come forward, Faye, myself, Dale. We're going to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. Or you might just want to lift your hands. It's a need for a friend. The Holy Spirit is going to work this morning in this way. And he's going to enable some of his, it's going to be, for some it's going to be a dramatic freedom, a dramatic release, a stepping up and a stepping out of what you've been stuck in. In Jesus' name.